0: For the Lord Jesus, to be, to be rejected by those who were the closest to him, so that ultimately the only people left at the cross were the two Marys who stood with him. It was so bad that even God the Father himself turned his back on at the cross, and so that even nature itself became blackened because of what took place at the cross. My friends, it was not just a physical suffering that Jesus suffered. There was a suffering of his soul that would be deep, that would cause cause great anguish in his heart. We discover also that there was a vital intention, there was a violent rejection, but that his sufferings, his sufferings would bring some great, amazing fruit For us, a violent rejection, a violent, a voluntary submission to the cross. We discover that um, in the midst of his sufferings, the scriptures tell us in verse 7, and we've been over this again, he was. He was uh, oppressed. He gave his life for us in about different five, five different ways. In the book of Isaiah fifty three, he he Isaiah puts it down again. It was because of of our sin that we that he died on the cross, so that we have. This great transaction that takes place. Our sin, His death for us. His death for us. We discover also not only that there was this uh, violent rejection and that it was a voluntary submission, but there is this great. Um, uh, 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 this great, uh, this great value that Jesus gives to us. What what was the whole thing about? What was the whole thing about? Was it was it simply that uh, Jesus was a, a great teacher? And that he did a marvelous things. And that he, stom- he, he calmed the storm and, and people were amazed at that. Is, it, is that. is that the totality of it? Is it simply just the nice stories that we have recorded for us in the, in the scriptures, the, in the New Testament? No. My friend, the, the purpose is so clear. He gave his life for us. And he did it voluntarily. He did it voluntarily. In John chapter 10, we read these words that the Lord Jesus uh, gave himself for us. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How do we know that he was the good shepherd? Because he gave his life for the sheep. And then in chapter 10, he also points out that uh, I have have the right to do that. I can can take my life, but I can also take it up again. Uh, No man, no man takes it from me. I, I, I do it in my own account. I do it because I am the son of God. I am the son of God. He took up his infirmities and also carried his our our, our uh, sorrows. We were he was pierced for us. He. The Son of God took himself, took upon himself our sin. The hymn writer put it this way. What can we what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make May whole again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. My friend, you may be here today and you're saying, I am so, I am so finished. I am so finished. I, I don't know what to do. I've, I feel like I've wasted my life. Last week, we, we discovered that uh, in so many different ways, sin has marred, marred us. To the point that the Apostle Paul says we are dead, D-E-A-D, in our trespasses and sins. Let me say to you that the, the gospel simply is. That dead people can be resurrected in Christ, in Christ alone. And if you're here today, this morning, and, and you're, not, you're not one of God's children, please understand. That's okay. This is a startling statement, but you're a dead person apart from the Spirit of God moving in your life and infusing to you the life of Christ, you will remain a dead person. But the good news is that in Christ alone our hope is found. You see, In evangelicalism today, there seems to be the idea that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I I really struggle with that. I think it's a rather truncated view of the gospel. God loves you, but apart from him, he doesn't have a wonderful plan for your life. It's a terrible plan for your life. But in Christ alone, our hope is found. And I say to you, flee to him. Flee to him. He alone is the one who can satisfy you. Well, we discover also in the book of Isaiah... Some amazing amazing fruit concerning the sufferings of Christ. We discover that um, there will be a new uh, a, a continued offspring. Isaiah says that uh, there will be, there will be part of the result of the Christ of, of, of the gospel of Christ and of the death of Christ, that there will be a offspring, an offspring. We discover that um, it's going to be a large offspring. As a result of the death of Christ, there will be individuals from every kindred, tongue, and nation who will be in the kingdom of God, not because of what they have done, but because of what Christ has accomplished. A number of years ago, I remember speaking with an elderly lady, and it's not Isabel Cherry. (laughs) And I was telling her a little bit of what heaven will be like. And she said, quite seriously, she said, you know, I, I don't think I'm gonna like heaven. I said, why? because there's going to be a lot of people there. <laughs> I said, yes, there will be. And, and you know that we, we can at, at times think that um, heaven is going to be this quiet little place. It's not. It's, it is going to be a lousy, uh, lousy, it is going to be a loud place. Loud place. Missiologists tell us that on an average day, there are seventy-five thousand people on the in the Earth who make commitments to Jesus Christ, 75,000 people a day. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that will be in heaven with us. It's easy to say, well, yeah, 75,000 people. My, My question for you this morning is, what about you? What about you? Have, you? have you placed your trust in Christ alone for his finished work that was done for you? That brings us to the next point. There's a spiritual Protege, there's a finished work, a finished work. Isaiah tells us that, um, that the Lord Jesus, the work that he completed, is, is finished, it is complete in all its goodness. The word that Isaiah uses in, 50, in chapter 53 is the same word that is used concerning Genesis 1 and 2 where there is that refer, refer. Uh, it is finished. It is finished. It's complete. I, I say to you this morning that the salvation that Jesus Christ has provided for us is absolutely Completely finished. It is perfect. There is nothing that we can add to it or take away from it that will ever add anything to it. It is perfect. And when you look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, think for a moment what it must have been like in, in In perfection, before the fall, what was this world like before that? We see it now, and it is beautiful. But before the the fall, what was it like? It was absolutely perfect. And I say to you that that's exactly the picture we have of the sacrifice that Christ has given to us. It is absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I claim. As a young student, going back a few years ago now, I was in grade eight. We're not gonna talk about grade seven. That was not a good time for me. <laughs> grade eight. At uh, King George School, just over this direction. You, uh, in grade eight, I think, think it's particularly in grade eight, you, you had a, a project to put together I still remember the dear teacher that was there. Mr. Stabler was his name. Anybody ever have Mr. Stabler, grade eight? He was an interesting guy. I'm not gonna go there, but he was a very interesting guy. Just one example. In his, in his classroom uh, shop, um, he, would, he would make his own glue Okay, I'm not sure what he ent- what he how he how he put it together, but you walked in the room, and it was like, oh, no, what's going on? And uh, he was he was just an interesting man. But anyhow, in grade eight, <laughs> in grade eight, I, I decided <clears throat> that I was going to make a coffee table for my dear mother. She deserved everything that I could do for her. And so I, uh, I just add also that I, that was the only time that I ever made anything out of wood, okay? I've never made anything out of wood since then, but and then I did, all right? So I made, was making this coffee table, and uh, it was close to the end of Ju- uh, June. And uh, I had worked at it, and I had worked at it, and I, 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 th- I thought, wow, this, this looks absolutely perfect. You know? So, there was a, an, open ha- an open house at the school. And so they decided, wow, that they were gonna put my table And the front entrance of the school as an example of what it was they were doing at grade 8. That was pretty big, you know. Not only that, (laughs) the Guelph Mercury was there. (laughs) So my table, along with other things, ended up in the front page of the Guelph Mercury. Like, wow. So, the end of school, uh, my dad brought the uh, station wagon. We loaded it into the station wagon. I brought it home. And I I brought it in and I said, uh, Mom, uh, this is for you. My mom, bless her heart, just... (laughs) But you know what? She didn't go over... To the table and said, "Now you know, you could probably have added a little bit more sanding over here and taken some sanding paper, sandpaper, and started to do whatever she thought was No. At a grade eight level student, it was absolutely perfect. This is a, a really awkward illustration, but I'm getting to it. (laughs) I want to tell you that there are lots of people who are taking that which is absolutely perfect and trying to finish it, finish it somehow, finish it somehow in the way that they think it ought to be finished. No. His... Sacrifice is absolutely, absolutely perfect. He has done everything that is absolutely necessary for us, for our salvation. My trust, my, I trust today that we recognize that he's done it all for us nothing that we can do. It is all of him. He has done everything that could ever be done for us. Alistair Begg is one of my Favorite uh, preachers other than Pastor R.J. <laughs> <laughs> Alistair Begg. Uh, in the be over forty years ago now, Lois and I had the privilege of being in in Edinburgh, Scotland, and we were at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh, Scotland. At that point, Alistair Begg was the associate pastor there. And I will never, ever forget the message that he preached. We're going to look, I realize this is out of the ordinary, we're going to look at a very short video that will capsulize for us everything that I have tried to put together in terms of Isaiah 53. Gonna look at it at this point.
1: We will very, very quickly revert to faith plus works as the ground of our salvation. So that to go to the old uh, Fort Lauderdale question, if you were to die tonight and 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 you were getting entry into heaven what would you say if you answer that and if I answer it in the first person we've immediately gone wrong because I because I believed because I have faith because I am this because I am continuing Loved ones, the only proper answer is in the third person, because he, because he. If think about the thief on the cross, oh, what an immense! I can't, I, I can't wait to find that fellow one day to ask him, how did that shake out for you? Because you were, you were, you were, you were, you were cussing the guy out with your friend. You'd never been in a Bible study. You never got baptized. You never, you didn't know a thing about church membership, and and yet, and yet. You made it! You made it! How did you make it? That's what the angel must have said. You know, like, what are you doing here? Well, I don't know. What, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I, I don't know. Well, you know, what, what, did you, what, excuse me, let me get my supervisor. They go get the supervisor, Ranger. So, we're just a few questions for you. First of all, are you, are you, are you, are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? <laughs> the guy said, I've never heard of it in my life. And, and what about, uh, let's just go to the doctrine of scripture immediately. This guy's just staring. And eventually in frustration, he says, on, on what basis are you here? And he said, the man on the middle cross said, I can come. Now, now, that's the, that is the only answer. That is the only answer. And if I don't preach the gospel to myself all day and every day, then I will find myself beginning to trust myself, trust my experience, which is part of my fallenness as a man. If I take my eyes off the cross, I can then give only lip service to its efficacy while at the same time living as if my salvation depends upon me. And as soon as you go there, it will lead you either to abject despair or a horrible kind of arrogance. And it is only the cross of Christ that deals both with the dreadful depths of despair and the pretentious arrogance of the pride of man that says, you know, I can figure this out and I'm doing wonderfully well. No, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free for God the justice satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's why Luther says most of your Christian life is outside of you. In this sense, that we know that we are not saved by good works we're not saved as a result of our professions but we're saved as a result of what Christ has achieved
0: last the uh, musicians of the